Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Very sad, tragic story coming out of Ken Mayer over the weekend and it makes the front page of uh, the Mirror. It's a guard investigation now launched after the bodies of an elderly man and a woman were discovered in a house in uh, Ken Mayer. It's believed the alarm was raised uh, apparently, according to the Mirror, uh, shortly after 10 o'clock yesterday morning, a relative found a note on the door of the property um, to uh, call the guardie, and, and that's what, what that's what was done. Uh, the couple who were in their 80s apparently were both English, but had been living in the area for many years. It's a front page of making the mirror. Elderly couple found dead in their home. A relative discovers note on the door of the property. It's very shocking and it's awfully, awfully tragic. Um, God only knows why. Um, you know, there's many, many people who've been struggling. You can be sure of that over the past 20 to 22 months now. Um, and it's a story that makes many of the newspapers today the struggles of people and the fears and worries of people, including uh, the fact that like the, the media will always read in and dissect in minutia uh, when any politician says or when any Taoiseach says, or particularly doesn't say. So the fact that uh, Micheál Martin said that he, he refused to rule out the possibility of new restrictions, they jump on that. And you'll find headlines, VAC to lockdown, uh, with uh, a question mark. It comes after a further 3,805 cases to be reported yesterday, uh, nearly 600 people in hospital, 106 in ICU. So those are the stats. Uh, the Mail this morning says crackdown to delay a lockdown. So that's going to involve the government meeting today um, and looking at, okay, what's what's kind of unsafe, we deem unsafe with regards to what members of the public are doing and how can we change that? So we can expect some kind of an announcement. It, there could be a leak ahead of it, although I doubt if there'd be a leak really. I probably might know tomorrow, maybe tonight. Uh, but a COVID pass for your hairdo is looking very, very likely now. Um, a U-turn on working from home. You know, they're back out of that, reverse out of that and people get out of the offices and get back to get back to working for home where possible. So you'll have rules then introduced in gyms for COVID passes, COVID certs for gyms and hairdressers and, and barbers and a return to working from home. Other than that, who knows? You've got to look at what's happening around the rest of Europe uh, to see what possibly could happen. I can't see this, but you can never write anything off. But in Austria now, they've locked down 2 million people. They've locked down the unvaccinated. Now, they are allowed to go out to buy some food um, or go to and from work or a short walk. And of course, they are allowed out the unvaccinated to go and get a jab. Uh, but this um, lockdown, this 2 million unvaccinated lockdown will last for 10 days in Austria. And meanwhile, extraordinarily, it's all buoyant and positive news coming out of the UK on Saturday and yesterday and again this morning. Because their latest figures are showing that the epidemic remains stable in the UK. And in fact, uh, the, the, this morning, the, the Mail is reporting that cases in school children are under control um, and there's been a, a drop in hospitalizations and free mass testing for coronavirus and uh, self-isolating rules are all like to, likely to be scrapped now, not until next spring. But what I'm saying is they seem to have a lot more kind of pep in their step than we do when it comes to it. Meanwhile, we can't even agree on antigen test kits and how much they'll cost or whether or not people will have to pay for them. Like... You don't have to pay for them north of the border or in the UK. They're free. You can take as many as you want. Whereas here, it could be upwards of 25 euro for three uh, antigen test kits or about 8 euro each. And then pharmacies are reporting that they haven't any or they've run out or they're running low on stocks. But the best they can offer us here is antigen tests at a nominal fee. Not free, but at a nominal free. I mean, if, fee, if they wanted to make a huge difference, actually, wouldn't they, to keeping positive cases down? Wouldn't they provide them for free? 
So that would encourage people, particularly people who can't bloody well afford them. Uh, and God knows it's been tough enough for people and also the run into Christmas without having to stock up on kits that you have to pay for yourself. But the hospitals are breaking at breaking point uh, and emergency room patients uh, turning up and going to emergency rooms and A&Es um, are, are critical now, maybe even beyond critical. Um, so if you're finger pointing, of course, that really has to do with the politicians we elect over the years and decades, uh, our health system, um, because certainly throwing money at it hasn't worked and we find ourselves back in crisis again. Um, and where is the pinch point, of course? Hospital beds and ICU um, um, ICU units, so ICU beds. But I wonder whether or not they're thinking about looking at the private hospitals as well to maybe commandeer their ICU beds. Nobody's talking about that. One story that we've been talking about recently is the amount of people who are in the grips of money lenders. And money lenders isn't always about people who, um, you know, owe money. Uh, for drug debts, it could be for anything, you know, it could be people trying to pay bills, it could be people trying to pay energy costs, it could be people trying to pay Christmas bills and what have you. But moneylenders seizing social welfare cards from victims is something we dealt with on air last week. We actually had a case history of a young 23-year-old Cork boy in the grip of a €7,500 uh, moneylender uh, debt. Um, Councillor Ken O'Flynn gets involved in the story this morning saying he's been approached by constituents about moneylenders waiting outside post offices to collect social welfare payments. Uh, in fact, I think the lad that I was talking to last week said that he'd been in touch with uh, Councillor Ken O'Flynn. I don't know whether Ken had an opportunity to help him out in any way, shape or form. Poor misfortune. He's uh, trying to work but they've taken his social welfare card uh, so every bit of money that he earns and then of course they're following him around. He's got a part-time job and they take that money as well. Well, there's a story of a chap by the name of Ian Heafy that makes the courts. Now, previously, Ian Heafy had 110 previous convictions, but you'd have to go back to 2009 to find any kind of a conviction for burglary. And apparently he's been free of the notice of the guards for over 10 years now. But he was well drunk, apparently, and he approached a 34-year-old student at UCC uh, who he robbed. Uh, mind you, he only took six euro and left the 50 euro note alone because the victim, the student, said he needed the 50 euro. Apparently, he demanded the cash, Ian Heafy. He was carrying some sort of an implement. Now, the lad who was robbed didn't know whether it was a knife or not, and Heafy said it was a torch. So it's a court report in the Echo where Liam Healy says that uh, Heafy said that uh, the one euro that the student offered him wasn't enough. So then uh, the student took out a fiver and gave it to him. So Heafy spotted the 50 and he wanted that. But the, the young man said, I need that. So uh, Heafy declined to take the 50 uh, and ran away with the, with the six euro instead. And uh, apparently the judge liked that. Now, I'm not quite sure if he got a sentence or anything because there's no mention of anything like that. But he apparently um, he himself had issues with regards to, uh, well, alcohol on the night. But apparently also he was another one of these individuals who's under uh, the duress of repaying a drug debt. And in the case of Ian Heafy, it's a thousand euro drug debt. And the, we're a cocaine nation, according to the Sun. There's a um, very alarming um, front page and double page spread in the inside of uh, the Sun this morning, where Neil Cotter and Craig Farrell talk of kids as young as 13 now addicted to cocaine. Ireland's problems spiring out of control. So it's not always about uh, prescription medication. It's not always about ecstasy. It's not always about amphetamines. It's not always about heroin. Cocaine can be the drug of choice for many, many people. And they have case histories on the inside pages, pages of cocaine abuse across all sections of society, to be honest with you. An awful lot of hypocrisy going on in this country when it comes to cocaine. Those that tut-tut, as a proportion of them are users themselves. But there's an astonishing story um, on all of the papers today, which is a vaccine. Now, vaccine, apparently, m- medical trials in the past have failed trying to break through 
to cure Alzheimer's, to reverse the issue with regards to the brain and the sticky cells in the brain where you literally forget and forget and forget at a more and more rapid pace. But a vaccine has now been developed that could reverse and even prevent Alzheimer's for just €17 a dose. They've been experimenting on mice and it's worked. And now they wish to experiment on human beings. And many people listening to this will be saying yes and do it ASAP because apparently it has been incredibly successful when it comes to mice. Um, So... They're reckoning now is the time to move this on as fast as possible. And to little four little critters, from mice to dogs, there is an interesting story in the Mirror this morning where an independent TD by the name of Sean Canny up in Galway has said that stealing a dog is like kidnapping a member of a family. It causes great pain, heartache and upset. And he says it's time to put pet nappers in the doghouse. He's actually suggesting that there should be at least heavy fines for anyone convicted of stealing a dog for the first time and a minimum jail sentence of at least one year behind bars for a repeat offender. Um, That's an interesting one where he says that stealing somebody's dog is like stealing a family member. Again, an awful lot of people would absolutely 100% agree with that. And you have the shocking news out of the UK of a possible terrorist attack um, on Remembrance Day Sunday in Liverpool. That makes all of the newspapers and also the bravery of the taxi driver involved. And a few funny ones for you. I mean, we had Wally the walrus, but there's another one now apparently off the UK coast. A female walrus. Uh, Don't know whether she's related to Wally, but she's been called Wanda and she's on our holidays down here. And if you wanted to know what the love of your life wants for Christmas, it's cash or a gift card. Nothing else matters. Cash that they can spend themselves or a gift card that they can spend on anything they want for themselves. It makes sense to me. It mightn't be the most engine it mightn't be the most creative um, or thought-provoking present apparently for Christmas, but it's what people want. And then with regards to what people want and what people have, um here are the top 10 signs um to show that you have it all. Now, I don't know whether you have to have all 10 of these. Maybe a few will do. But let's say you have all 10 of these or even 50% or 30% of them. Then you really have it all in life. The top 10 signs that you really have a happy, fantastic, enviable life are number one. And this is in order of importance. Number one, you love your job. Number two, you're able to travel business class. So if you combine those, you love your job and travel business class, you have a great life. But you could be the most unhappy git in the world um, who travels business class, couldn't you? Number three, you can decide which hours you work. You have, number four, you have perfect teeth. There's a song in that. I mean, you might hate your job. You mightn't be able to travel business class. But you have perfect teeth. You can eat what you want without gaining weight. Grrr. Love that one. I'd love that one. You can eat what you want without gaining weight. You have a spotless home. <laughs> uh, you have polite children. You have a walk-in wardrobe. I love it. I love it. And a separate one for shoes and another one for ties. Um, another one. Having um, a holiday home. You have a holiday home. In Crookhaven or Barley Cove or Court Mac. Um, and number 10, you have a senior title at work. Don't pay him much, but give him a really damn good title. So if you have all of those 10, 
you're probably the luckiest person in the world, particularly with the walk-in wardrobe and the perfect teeth. And the John Lewis ad has been voted the worst John Lewis ad on telly ever. I'll tell you more about that later on because not all is happy in the camp there with John Lewis and their ad. And also another thing that we may well come back to this morning is the uh, things in grammar that have been annihilated, destroyed and abandoned, including the apostrophe. Um, You know the words like wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't, which is supposed to have an apostrophe? All gone, apparently, in the online world. Sloppy grammar. And the reason for it, social media and abbreviations like gonna for going to, like defo for definitely. Uh, Do we use this term? They do in the UK, tomaz, T-O-M-O-S, for tomorrow. And, of course, we all know of OMG and TBH, meaning to be honest. So it's a changing world and a changing language. Mind you, it's always been changing. It really has for hundreds and hundreds of years. The Neil Prenderville Show. Pick up the phone, get involved, one 106 text 868 So I went through the figures and the stats with regards to where we find ourselves at the moment. The government and cabinet are meeting with Neffet today. Then they'll have their own side huddle tomorrow. And then, of course, as I said, there could well be some changes with regards to where we're going with COVID. I thought it was very interesting there to hear in the news, uh, Sam McConkie saying uh, that the vaccine is not designed to stop the spread of COVID. It's to stop death from COVID. And there's a huge big difference there. So if it's to stop death from COVID, we've got a potential problem with our ICUs and beds and hospitals. But for everybody else, uh, we should just be getting on with our life. No, that's a question I'm going to put to Dr. John Sheehan from the Blackpool Bridge Surgery. John, good morning. Just off the bat, how would you respond to that, particularly what Sam McConkie is saying? Yes, I mean, the vaccine, vaccine has been incredibly effective, Neil, in terms of reducing death, hospitalization, and admissions to ICU. But people, we can still carry it, we can still spread it, uh, the COVID, when we're vaccinated. But really what we're doing is reducing mortality from COVID. And it's been very successful in that, because if you look at the numbers, as you're saying, that we have, at the moment, the number of cases, even though our number of hospitalizations are going up, and we have about 500 and something at the moment and 107 in ICU. If you go back to last January, when we had those numbers of cases of COVID, our hospitals were way, way uh, more under pressure. There was so, four times as many in hospital in January, wasn't yeah, there? So it's, it's been, yeah, it's been very effective in doing that. And really, I think there's a couple of things that, they, that, that we could do to try to get a handle on this, Neil, and I think the Cabinet Subcommittee will be thinking about these things when they meet. If we could increase the boosters, because we're giving it to the over 60s and vulnerable groups, but I think we need to roll that out a lot more. Israel and other countries have done that, and it has shown to be uh, successful. I think we could increase the antigen testing. So it takes away a lot of that doubt. My child has a runny nose. Do they have something? You know, can I let them go out? It takes away a lot of that, um, and, you know, the, that doubt and worry. So I think the antigen testing... Um, certainly should be used more. And then also, I think we probably need to pull back a little bit on our context and re-emphasize the hand hygiene and the masks and things because that probably has slipped a bit for all of us because we're fed up with this. Uh, it's going on two years now and we're t- everyone is tired. But if you talk about antigen kits, for instance, um, and I'm doing a survey this morning, I hope to have a result before I get off the air as to what's available or not available in pharmacies. People have to buy them. North of the border, they're free. In the UK, you can go into a chemist and pick up boxes of them. Um, b- people are strapped enough financially. Surely be to God. They provided so much other money through COVID. This is very important and they should, uh, the government should roll them out for free, shouldn't they? Wouldn't that encourage people more? 
Um, yeah, I think there's an argument for that. I know they're looking at subsidised uh, antigen kits, but the other thing they're looking at, Neil, I think is serial testing, particularly in vulnerable groups. So serial uh, testing, say, in meat factories, among students, you know, groups where people are congregating and where there's a risk that they're spreading. So as well as, uh, you know, having antigen kits out there for people to use generally, I think we need to target specific groups and do serial testing on that because, you know, everyone who goes to UCC, it's great. You know, a lot of them are back. But they're a vulnerable group because they will spread it among themselves. When you're that age, you tend to hang out a lot together. Uh, and it's those groups we need to, we need to target. A bit but but hold on a second. If, if people really wanted to be very serious about you know, getting on with their lives, even with the double jab, and they want to take a co- uh, an antigen test, it would cost them, if they've, if they've a family of four, that could cost them €30 Euro a day. At the current prices. Yeah, and, and, and really, we wouldn't be rec- I wouldn't be recommending doing antigen tests every day. Um, but say every three days, you could still be talking about 75, 100 euro a week, wouldn't you? You could. You could, yeah, but with serial antigen testing like that, Neil, and, and the general population probably isn't the best way to go. It's probably better for targeted groups such as college, such as, um, you know, MTU, UCC, groups like that, meat factories, where you're looking for, to try to prevent outbreaks happening and, and that occurring. And one of the concerns about doing serial antigen testing on everyone is that people will have this false sense of reassurance that, oh, we're okay, we don't need to do the mask, the glove, you know, the, or the, the mask, the hand washing and the distancing. And really, that's the key thing. I think we really need to redouble that because I think the principle of, you know, not going back into lockdown, I think, is the correct one. We can't keep going back and forth in between lockdown and not lockdown. I think we have to start getting on with things. And one of the things we've noticed about COVID now is that it seems to have a seasonal effect. So uh, like other viruses, we're seeing a huge amount of other viruses at the moment, particularly in children, respiratory virus, and other viruses. But COVID also seems to have a seasonal component. So I think if we could get the, the boosters out there, uh, improve the social contact, probably go back to a bit of blended office work. I think that will be important. And unfortunately, the fear is, Neil, if we have high numbers going into December, we saw what happened in December last year, that's the big concern. Okay, um, just on one point you mentioned there, that's children. And, you know, this is important for, for families with, with young children. You're quoted as saying there's loads of other infections around at the moment, particularly with children. You said that with kind of runny noses and coughing and sneezing and sniveling, uh, it's 10 times higher than two years ago. Is that right? That, that's correct. Yeah, respiratory syncytiovirus, RSV, which is uh, very common in children, say about the ages of sort of six months to three, um, it tends to give them temperatures, runny nose, coughing, all of those sorts of symptoms. That's running at a nearly a 10 times higher rate than it was two years ago before the pandemic Why? started. Do we know? And probably a couple of reasons. We're probably getting a double whammy this year because we, we, we didn't see it at all last year. We, we saw very few infections last year because everyone was isolating and um, people weren't, you know, mixing with each other. So we're probably getting a double effect um, um, this year. And um, also there's probably an element of immunity. People haven't had immunity because they haven't been, you know, children have no immunity because they haven't been exposed to any of these bugs. So it's probably taking off um, an awful lot more. And that's probably causing, a, you know, a, an increased strain on the health services, but it's also causing increased worry for parents. I was on South Dock at the weekend, yeah. and most of the calls I had were of children, uh, about children, should we be tested, or if they're sick, you know, all of that sort and of And what thing. do you say to them if they call you up with what we just described there, which would have been the, the infections that are up, and runny noses, and coughs, yeah. and sneezes, and, you know, what do you say to a parent? 
Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, I say, you know, it does the child need, you know, do I need to see the child? And we saw some of the children at the weekend because they may be sick for other reasons. It's not all COVID, certainly. And then the other issue, you know, you, you, you treat them, you treat them symptomatically. And then also if they need to be tested. So there's some very small children. Their world is very small. They're not exposed to anyone. Their parents are fine. Everyone else is fine. So it's reasonable to assume that they don't need to be tested. There's older children then who may be going to play school and who may be sick, and they probably do need to be tested. And I know there's three testing centres in Cork at the moment, and they're working flat out. Is is there a problem? Somebody's saying that you can't get a COVID test in Cork City and people are being sent to West Cork. There is an issue. So what happens every day, Neil, is that the test centres release so many slots each day. So you can't, you know, uh, book a few days in advance. And then once those slots are full, uh, they're full for the, until the following day. So we've had cases where we've referred patients uh, for testing in Cork City and they've got an appointment in Dunmanway, uh, which, you know, for a lot of people isn't realistic. Um, and then we've rebooked them and they've got a test in Cork. But there is a problem in terms of uh, capacity because those slots tend to get filled quite quickly. And that's supply and demand. Um, and can we can we read into anything in that regard that more and more people are looking to be tested? Why? Yeah, the, the numbers are up. So for each person that, you know, that has COVID, you're probably going to generate a few COVID tests around that. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so the numbers are way up. So, you know, we only had one centre when the numbers were low on the Mallow Road in Blackpool. But now we have one down in Glamour and we have one on the South Douglas Road as well. And okay. that's purely just due to volume. Okay, but the US Institute for Health Medic- Metrics and Evaluations came up for an Irish statistic saying that by Christmas, we'd have 12,000 cases a day. Um, so surely, you know, this is going to only get worse with people trying to get tested, isn't it? It, pro- it probably might. And that's really where we have to look at, you know, boosters um, you know, more social, you know, reducing our social contacts um, and redoubling our efforts. At the end of the day, this gets through our nose, our mouth um, and, and, our, and our eyes. That's how the virus gets in. So we just have to re- re-emphasize that. And we probably have to change our behavior a bit because you don't want very high numbers coming into early December. And I know a lot of people are looking at things like Christmas parties and staff outings and things like that. And I suspect a lot of them are going to pull back on them um, and maybe defer it until January um, as the numbers go up, unfortunately. Do you think that might figure as part of whatever the Cabinet announcement might be or what Mial Martin is to say in the next couple of days? I mean, the Dutch have ordered bars and restaurants and all non-essential retail to close at 7 o'clock. We know that Austria has placed unvaccinated people, there's too many of them, into um, a a 10-day lockdown. We don't see any of that happening here, do we? We don't really. I mean, we have half a million people who aren't vaccinated in Ireland. So it's, it's try to encourage them to get vaccinated. But I certainly wouldn't be in favour. Half of a million? Is that an accurate yeah, figure? Half a million, yeah. We have 90% vaccinated and we have over 5 million people in Ireland. So we, we nearly have half I thought it was 94% and 250,000 unvaccinated, no? Uh, we got over the 90% just there on Thursday, so unless there's been a big jump, um, that, that, that matters whether you include children or not. Uh, the, the figure of half a million, are you saying that's a fully vaccinated figure, is it? Yeah, fully vaccinated. And what, But the yeah. figure for people who haven't vaccin- vaccinated at all is much lower than that, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Oh, oh, okay, okay. But, yeah. you know, when you, let's, let's try and accentuate the positive because you're saying that, okay, so, so we know of numbers going up, but, but yet, um, we're not seeing a lot of elderly or sick with COVID. 
the nursing homes, the elderly, as you said, the over 80s, the over 70s, uh, they're getting their boosters. They're not ending up in hospital. They're not ending up in ICU anymore. No, absolutely not. There are a good number of positives from this, Neil. So that seems to be holding. The boosters seem to be having a good effect. So as we roll that out more, that should make a big difference. So we're not seeing what we saw in January. There's a number of good things coming down the line. So as the boosters come out more, that will help. There's also a nasal vaccine that's probably going to come down the line. So that will make giving the vaccinations easier. And also there's medication that is beginning to, it's not out yet, but that's beginning to come. And that's, that's, that's improving the outcome by about 50% for people who are hospitalized. So there's a lot of good news stuff. We will get through this and, you know, we will get immunity to it. A hundred years ago when there's a flu pandemic, you know, they got over that and, you know, we'll get over this as well and we will get back to leading our normal lives. Maybe slightly different, but we will get through it. But when will that be? When all of these new medicines are introduced and we get to the spring, is it? I suspect so, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. the boosters will be out. Spring is always a better time. There's less infections. There's more outdoors. We were lucky enough with the summer this year. It wasn't a bad summer. That all helps in keeping the numbers down. So we get to the spring the numbers go down, the seasonal effects of COVID gets less, the vaccine gets out better, um, and we drive on. We don't know about deaths anymore, though, Dr. John. Why is that? Yeah. Um, they tend, it tends to be collated in kind of in bunches. I think that's just a, a reporting issue. So by the time it works through the coroner system and then gets reported nationally... Is that really the case, though? Because they were quite happy to give us the daily amount of deaths for a long, long time, and then it just stopped. Yeah, so I, I presume that's why. Um, I honestly don't know, but I'd imagine that's why, because, you know, some deaths will be in the community, some will be in nursing homes, some will be in hospitals, and I think it's just trying to collate that. And well, what what, would, what would the numbers be? Um, are, they, are they very, very low deaths? Are we talking about... I would imagine they're, I would imagine they're low enough. Um, you know, we have 107 in ICU, but really, if you look at January, most of the deaths were in nursing homes, and, and, and that doesn't seem to be the case. Okay, okay. So do you, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, then, that the Cabinet probably will extend COVID certificate rules to gyms and hairdressers and barbers and what have you, for instance. Do you think that's the way to go? Honestly, I don't know if that's going to make a big difference. That would be my own opinion. Like, I, I think hair, hair salons and barbers, I think they've been very good in what they're doing and I don't think they can do a whole lot much more. One of the things it does do, I suppose, it changes behaviour slightly and makes people more aware. But I think we need to put more emphasis on social distancing, masks and hand, hand washing. But then washing. why would they allow a soccer match? Um, why would they allow a rugby match against the All Blacks? We have tens of thousands of people vaccinated and unvaccinated all in the one stadium. Yeah, and I, that's a big outdoor gathering. And, 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 you know, we have to start living with our lives. And that's why really I feel, you know, extending it to hair salons and the sorts, I, I think it's a paper exercise, but I don't know if it's going to make a big difference. I think it's more behaviour is the issue, Neil. And, you know, that we, we just need to change our behaviour slightly and each of us changing our behaviour slightly and reducing our contact slightly makes a big dish difference nationally. That's the big thing. We, we all think, oh, sure, that's not going to matter. That's not going to make a difference. But all of those each individual actions add up to making a big difference. OK, let's see what happens later on today with the Cabinet and effort as always. Dr John Sheehan, thank you for taking the call. I'll let you get back to surgery. Have a good day. Cheers for now. <laughs> Back after the break on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six, you can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after these, text the Neil Prenderville Show now zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red 
FM. Interesting text on that. My conversation with Dr. John Sheehan. What Dr. John Sheehan is saying really is further proof that lockdowns and isolation is bad for people. Another one here. Somebody, Anna Murphy is suggesting that there's an average of 10 people dying every day here. I'd love to know where you got that statistic, and Anna. Do come back to me. She says it's scandalous that these numbers are not given out on a daily basis. This would really remind people to be more careful, says she. Uh, to our phone lines, you can text 0868104106, but uh, from time to time I talk with uh, Tricia, who's a regular listener to this program, in the UK. Uh, so when I talk of the UK now, when it comes to antigen, the same thing is happening north of the border in Northern Ireland. Tricia, good morning. Hi, hi. What difference is, what difference has all of the free antigen test kits made in the UK, say in London, around where you live? What difference? Um, what do you mean, like if you, I'll give you an example. example. My husband had a, has a cough. Yeah. It's one of these annoying coughs that gets everything every year. So he did a test Friday, and it was negative. did a test here at home. And so I said, let's book a PCR. So he went Saturday morning for his PCR, negative. And it was still at him again yesterday, and obviously going into work today. And he did another one. Just, it's, it's that sort of thing. You know, you've got something, a sniffle, a cough. Everyone, we're going, oh, my God, it's COVID, it's COVID. Yeah. Test, test, test. Yeah. So why bother so, going for a PCR test if he, if he, in case I if he returned a negative antigen? Yeah, but in case I did it wrong. You know, and he's still got this persistent cough. Um. You could you could just walk in, couldn't you? Literally, and pick up a box of them and take them home. Or Sammy was you telling me on the air. No, you can't you get do that as anymore. You, you could do that, but now you have to get them from. You either get a code from the NHS website, or you just order the box and they post them out to you. But they're still free, though. Oh well. You know, you pay through national insurance. Ah, yes, so, I, I know, yeah, but, yeah, the, yeah. The, but the, the, because the proposal here is very different. They're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you pay. You don't pay. No, no, no. You don't pay. They send it out free post. So, would it have been the case that many people had boxes, just boxes of antigen tests, and that every couple of days they just took an antigen test, or they yeah, tested, they, they tested their kids oh, going to school? Is it? Well, that's what we did. Yeah, that's what we would do. My daughter went back to college Easter time. So when was that? April. And you had to test twice a week. She had to test twice a week. So I said, there's three of us in the household, so I said, if she's doing it and she's got special needs, we've got to suck it up and do it too. So you're getting through them, you know. Two but you can stock up on them. You, you have them. We did stock up, yeah. Yeah. We did, yeah. yeah. And I'd say loads of people stocked up on them because they're in the cupboard. You're going somewhere. You want to... Make sure you're all right and people around you do it as well when you're meeting up. Okay, and where are you guys at now? Because you were saying to Brenda before he came on air, and I've heard this many times, that people are just getting on with their lives, that it's back to normal, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mind you, I mean, we were out to, we were at the garden centre yesterday and you could see people, people still wear masks. You know, some people do, not everyone. Mm. I mean, the tubes are terror for that. But, um, you might as we, well, I suppose, in a tube, in fairness. I you know, well. it's filthy at the best of times, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, around the garden centre. And then I noticed, like, in, in the pub we went to for lunch yesterday as well, they're still doing table service. You know, there's still no, none of that sitting at the bar or anything like that. Mm. But that's, that's only the one we went into. And when you go into a bar or a restaurant or somewhere like that, do you have to give a QR code and search no. at the door? You're, no. 
No. Do they ask you whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated? No. Okay. The QR code, you know, the QR, what you scan, yeah. that's on the premises, but if you do it, it's up to you. There's none of that. And okay. they're just doing, like, everyone's, I mean, we, we've got called, we're going for our boosters tomorrow. Okay, so th- but there was a point when they were mandatorily asking for QR codes, but not anymore. They were. Okay, they were. that's gone. Yeah. That's yeah. gone. They were. Okay. That's all gone, yeah, all yeah. gone. Even though, I know the population is different, but even though yesterday there were nearly 37,000 UK cases and 63 deaths, they figure, that's inevitable, we just need to get on with things. Yeah, that seems to be the case, yeah. yeah. And you're aware of that, of, of Holland closing down pubs yeah. and restaurants at seven, you're aware of Austria and Vienna saying, yeah. if you're yeah. unvaccinated, you have a 10-day lockdown. It comes down to hospitals, doesn't it? You know, is there enough hospital? And I know the the one that my niece works in, um, it's green, which means they're COVID okay because they work on a traffic light system. They're coping, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it, yeah. It, the, the big issue for us, of course, is hospital beds and <laughs> ICU. And that yeah. could be put down to the ineptitude or the stupidity of, go- of consecutive governments. Do you, know, do, you, do you think it is, though? Because I always think that they, it's the same here. They fire money at the NHS, and it's still the no, never, never happy. It's maybe the management in these places and not necessarily... Well government. then, well then, let it be a let it be a combination of successive governments and successive management within the HSE that yeah. has got us into this. Yeah, same here, same here. You get you know the waste that's in um, NHS hospitals and things. So a combination of ineptitude of politicians and HSE waste. Or are they just scared to challenge the the management of hospitals? Or Who knows? Something? Who knows? So um, people are quite optimistic then, putting their their best foot forward, whereas we're looking... I mean, you don't have any restrictions on barbers or hairdressers or anything like that. That's what they're talking about here now. That's not on the cards. Nothing like that. Christmas is coming. There will be Christmas parties, for instance. Oh, no, no. I know my sister. She works in the city. They're not having a party. Okay. Nor is my husband's company. Okay. So on a personal basis, people are remaining careful and alert. Without yeah. without any kind of noticeable restrictions as such. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks as always, Tricia. Do stay All in right. touch. Cheers, pal. Bye. Take care. Lines open one eight fifty one oh four one oh six. You can text O eight six eight one oh four one oh six. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Okay, you just want to jump in on this then. Uh, interesting to see the thing, how things are going uh, in the UK by comparison to, yeah, no, to here. Lady really. made a, a lot of uh, really you know, valid points and spoke a lot of sense, to be quite honest with you. You know, the HSE was created by Michal Martin in this country. As we know, uh, it's been an operation at the same level for the last 25 years and successive governments under Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin have failed to fix it. So it's their mess. They did this to the country. And it's not, as she said, that lady uh, um, rightly put, it's a case of them as successive governments coming in and throwing money at us like confetti, using public money, which is waste of funds, which yeah. is waste at the, at the system that is defunct for purpose. Yeah, yeah however, we still our, find ourselves in the jam that we're in, regardless yeah, of the history yeah, lesson. Like when you, the reality of the hospital system here is that when you go in and you book an appointment or you try to go see a specialist or a doctor of any kind, you're greeted with about, uh, I'd say, at least four or five levels of the minister, the staff, before you actually reach the point of contact, which to me is not, who asks you the same questions every time I note it down on a file or on a computer. 
it's defunct of purpose. It's waste. That's wasted money. All those. Uh, you think that no. they? Do you think that that our HSE hospital system is overstaffed? Uh, I would. It's overstaffed at the wrong level. We've uh, too many admin staff, and we've not enough uh, nurses and doctors. Yeah, That's clear, clearly the case. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to be a rocket scientist or a project manager to um, actually see that with your own eyes. You only have to be a patient and to be aware and alert of what's going on around you as you walk in the door. The experience itself will tell you. But again, so the HSE's got the HSE's got us into this mess. Well, no, not the HSC. It's successive governments under Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have done this. Every time they get into... For not, a, they, for not they, tackling HSC waste they, and ineptitude. They, yeah, they turn a blind eye. They, what they're afraid to do is tamper with the with contracts of senior public civil servants within the HSC and other government departments. And, you know, Michal Martin made a, a point, and just to, you know, to as a corollary to the statement, right, Michal Martin said last year in the height of the pandemic, when they're in the middle of uh, endorsing their four, uh, one of their many four, uh, four pay rises, when he when it was put to him by a journalist, that, you know, why aren't you adopting the, you know the, the position of New, the New Zealand government on taking a pay cut in support of the people that are you know really at the crunch of all of this uh, issue? And uh, he said, oh, no, 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 there's nothing I can do about that. That's what he said. Mm. That's on the record in the, in the media. Yeah, and they and could have done, that. actually, voluntarily. They could, could have, have done. done. You can return any money to the exchequer. They'll take you it back. Can, you, they're on, you know, these politicians are millionaires. They could easily refute, um, as, you know, Pierce Doherty did refute at one point to take one of the pay rises. I think it, more, it could have been just a statement of support for the people. But it's a, it's a matter of fact. You know, you do it and you set your standards this government are great at looking across the sea at Israel and, uh, you know, New Zealand, who are not even members of the European Union. They're about as far away as, uh, from Ireland as you possibly get. And they, they use them as the, you know, the, the, the example that they want to set when it, when it, when it touches okay. a, you know, an issue that they want to pin on the people. Okay, I have a, bu- I have a busy morning. Okay, we're covering the points. Just the final one. You say that people yeah. just need to use their common sense. What's, what is that? What is common sense in this, in this regard? I mean, come what, what, okay, well, what kind of common sense do you use when you're around people who are suffering with flu or head colds? I mean, do you get in their face? Do you, you know, do you keep your distance? You know, like, this is what this is all boiling down to, like, and it's, it's an apparent abuse of, uh, of, of uh, people's freedoms, their rights, uh, you know, and what could essentially be solved with, with the use of common sense. You but know, where is, but where is, sorry now, but where is the common sense of, say, Michal Martin or Faradkar or the health minister coming out saying, you know, if you were going to meet 10 people, meet five instead. And at the same time, you could have 50,000 people in the Aviva Stadium. You exactly, see, people, Neil, people aren't you, stupid. You they, they see this. Neil, you know, this is unfortunate. And I know, you know, you said this a few minutes ago. You mentioned the previous caller you did. You know, why 50,000 people in a stadium? We were all looking at the match there the other night and uh, you're looking at 50,000 people with no mask. The camera was even on, uh, the camera footage at one point was even on at the, 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 uh, the rugby match was on himself, uh, the, the president of Ireland, holding his mask in his hand. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all optics and it, it, it serves no purpose to the people. It's, it's the, the whole... So if people I are mean, getting lax, surely that's really, some of know? the reasons because this is the messing, messaging they see, this confused messaging. They're saying, you know, well, oh, you're going to need a COVID yeah, cert to get your hair cut. What? Yeah. I mean, you've got 50,000 people ridiculous. at a soccer match? Yeah, well, you know, Macron is over as well, wasn't he, a number of months back, you know, to discuss these issues with me, Homer. And next, next of all will be a, 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 sorry, not even a mask. Next of all will be a COVID cert to do your food shopping. 
And you might laugh at that now, but that may transpire under this government because they serve no purpose except for that of lying in their own pockets. They, they've done nothing really good in the last two, uh, two years for this country, for the people of the country. It's just left that that's the place in disarray, all because people are too afraid for whatever reason in this country to stand up and say, you know what, use common sense, refute the regulations. Eamon Ryan was there last, just I have to make this point, Neil, because people need to be reminded. Eamon Ryan, the, minister, the, the Greens minister last week, you know, he took a PCR test because he was hell-bent on getting to um, COP26. Took a PCR test. It came back positive. You have COVID-19. No, no, no. I'll take another one. Came back negative. I'll take that result. And There's two things there, and they're not going to rehash that one. Or, But two things there. No. Why was he entitled to a second one? And firstly, why was the first one positive and the second one negative? That's bizarre. You know, I, I, I agree with you. You ask all the right questions, all Neil, right. but unfortunately with this government, you'll get no answers until you change it. Thanks, Seamus, for now. Uh, just on the subject of barbershops and hairdressers and whatever they're going to decide later on today, uh, we have the Baldy Barber, Mick uh, Moriarty. Mick, good morning. Morning, Neil. If this were to happen today, I know you want to talk about masks in a second, but if this were to happen today, the people would have to go back to uh, QR codes or else cut your own hair. Uh, how would the industry react to something like that? It would be absolutely devastating. Uh, I've discussed it over the last few days with a few people in the business because phone calls one another and they are dreading that uh, things are so quiet as it is that if the people go back to working from home, uh, a lot of people won't be in business next year. That is an area of nothing in particular. What, what do you mean working from home? You mean working in the black market or on the QT? Well, is uh, see, the people who are out and about uh, working in their offices, need. Uh, they'll, call it, they'll call in for a haircut. Oh, I get that. If, if, okay, so that's the other part of it, that they probably that's will right. reverse the you know, going back to work um, initiative right. that we've had and they'll revert to working from home and that, in effect, then will stop people. But would it really? I mean, you, would, you, you, you plan for a haircut, you know, you plan to get your hair done. Yes, yes. I, I can tell you, know, I'm sitting inside my car outside my shop and there's about 15 parking spaces on Great Wilbur Bryan Street, which you would never see before. I mean, that'll tell you things are so quiet around the place. Yeah. It is absolutely frightening. But people in our business have been on a few meetings last week and they said, oh, please, please, don't tell the people walk, walk from home again in the offices and things like that because they'll be, they'll be closed down. And would that be the so, same for lots of retail, do you think? It would. It okay, would. So, that, okay I, so that's the working from home aspect. But what about only people who are double vaccinated with a, with a COVID certificate being allowed into a barber's or a hairdresser's? That's well, a double whammy then, isn't it? Yes, yeah, you, can't, you can't ask a person, because I've asked that question, you cannot ask a person if you're vaccinated. Yeah, but you would have to have, you know, if they decide to do what they're possibly going to do, you'll have to scan them on the door now. Yes, and we have. We, I'm looking into the price of that now at the moment. Right. Uh, will I get in? The, we have just discussed a while ago. Will we get in? Uh, what they call it? The, the the COVID test, like the pubs and all the restaurants have as well, because we are all the time taking contact tracing. Me, we are wearing masks. I have my heating on, full blast in the back, but I have my front door open. Yeah. For fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a waste. It's a waste of money, but it has to be done, and we're doing it right. But the rap, the rap. Barbershops. I can't talk about hairdressers that I know, but I do know of barbershops who are operating with no masks. And if the time comes, Neil, and I've told one particular person that I will name them and shame them for what they've done. Are you That's saying the right that the, those cutting hair aren't wearing a mask? That's right. Quite okay. correct. 
But like, why why aren't the customers calling them out? Why are the customers happy with that? Well, the customers sitting down inside, I've seen in one particular shop, the small shop, and there would be three or four waiting, and there'd be two people walking inside there, uh, no masks on anyone. I've seen another shop inside in town where there is uh, at least four people walking, and there could be seven or eight waiting at the door inside and all that. No mask. And that's visible from the street, is it, Mick? It is, it is, it is. And I don't, I can't understand why the guards don't step in and do it. I was in Spain a few weeks ago, Neil, and I can tell you, the police, or the police, the, the police were, were what they call it, um, were, were hammering any pub, any restaurant who were doing, who weren't doing it right. Okay, listen, thanks for taking the call. I'm out of time for now. I'll let you get into the shop and, and get on with things. Mick Mulcahy, or sorry, Mick Moriarty, the Baldy Barber. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after 10. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Now, after the break, I want to chat with uh, Claire, whose uh, son Shane went out with pals after uh, his leaving cert results and was uh, assaulted. It was an awful case. You may have seen the court reports uh, uh, a couple of weeks back. Originally, the, the DPP had originally directed false imprisonment and sexual assault. How endeavor, three young men pleaded guilty to assault uh, assaulting Shane and causing him harm uh, and in court they got suspended sentences. Now my conversation with Claire some may find alarming and upsetting and I just warn you that in advance that's after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now 1850 104 Red FM Claire good morning. Good morning Neil We can talk now because the court case involving the horrific assault on your son Shane has now ended so thank you for agreeing to talk through this awful episode in your life it was september 7th of last year wasn't it it was leaving certificate result day i'm right correct yeah and shane and you and the family opened his results and were very happy with it thank god and then the plan was that he was going out with his pals for a party a leaving cert party like like teenagers do and you dropped you dropped him off to meet his mates wasn't it I did, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and off he went. So pick up the story at that point. So off he went. Um, you know, as Leaving Cert students have done every year, for years before, uh, I suppose they'd been looking forward to it. They went out. Um, we were at home. His younger brother, Jamie, um, came in from school. Uh, we had a bite to eat. We kind of sat down for the evening. Um, I suppose we you know, could breathe a sigh of relief that, you know, Shane had done so well in the leaving search because, you know, it was a build up. It was the first year of, you know, a non-sitting of your regular leaving search. It was search. a COVID leaving search, yeah. It yeah, was, yeah, it was a COVID leaving search. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we sat down for the evening, Mick and myself. Um, Jimmy was doing whatever he was doing, PlayStation up in his bedroom. Everything was a normal evening. But you you had a feeling though or a sense that all was not right, is that right? I had tried to ring um, Shane earlier in the evening because I had told Shane to keep in contact with either his dad or myself because we had left it that he would give us a ring to let us know where he was um, because we, one of us would have had to go and pick him up that evening. So uh, 
after the supper we had gone in, we were sitting down about nine o'clock, half nine, and I was trying to ring Shane. Um, Shane didn't pick up. I had tried to ring maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, maybe second or third time, he still didn't pick up. Um, at that stage, I was getting concerned because that is very unlike him. Is it really, even though so, it's a leaving certain night and it's a party and it'd be noisy, you know? <laughs> I understand. Absolutely. You had a feeling. No. Yeah, no, no. Um, we say, you know, they're always told when they're going out, have your mobile, have it on. Yeah. You know, if we ring you, please answer it just to say I'm okay. You know, and that goes the same with Jamie. So I instantly had, I just didn't have a good feeling. And a good feeling, Neil, I mean by these three lads that he would have gone out with, um, one of them he attended national school with so he wouldn't have really had much to do with him while he was in secondary school mm. and the other two lads he went out with their names would have come up every now and again in our house you know as being in, in, in Shane's class but never on a, never socialising you know so I didn't know you know anything about these three lads yeah okay so I looked at Mick and I just said you know I, I'm not happy you know Shane isn't answering his phone and then I kind of tried to convince myself that you know maybe he'd lost his phone the phone was in silent it was in his pocket they you know they were in a pub but I knew they had to be out by 11 um, and we weren't told of Shane's you know intentions after 11 mm. o'clock so that's what we were trying to contact him mm. uh, and told but him he did call then us. didn't he around about 20 past he did he did. He rang about 20 past 11, between a quarter past and 20 past 11. And all he said was, can somebody pick me up, please? That was it. And I said, absolutely. I said, where are you? Uh, he gave me the address of where he was. And I kind of went, Shane, what are you doing there? Why are you there? Who's with you? And he just said, please pick me up. Yeah. So I looked at Mick. It was actually Mick went to collect him. And mm. I said, you know, Shane is here um, you need to go pick him up um, and that was it mm. um, they as it turned out they had gone to um, a caravan to for a few beers mm. and to arrange going to an after party at you know uh, when they had finished but we didn't pick Shane up at the caravan mm. you know one of them had driven him somewhere else and left him there for us to pick him up. And that's what Mick did. Was there silence on the way Mick home or did he ask him what happened or uh, did he seem out of sorts? On the way home, um, I wasn't there. It was Mick had collected him. I went to bed when, when Mick came in. Obviously, he came off and I had just said to him, did Shane have a good night? Because I really, really wanted him to have a good night, you know, because mm. of this, the stress of waiting for leaving certain stuff like that. And he said, all that Shane had said to him all the way home was, I should have stayed at home. I should have stayed at home. Oh, my God. So, um, I said, okay. I said, okay, I'll leave. You know, I'll leave. Maybe he's tired. So, about 10 or 15 minutes, uh, I heard his door, bedroom door closed. So, I left him. About 10 or 15 minutes later, he knocked on my bedroom door and he just said, Mom, can you please come in to me? I said, okay. So, I got out of bed and went in to his bedroom and he was um, crouched in the middle of the bed curled up in the middle of the bed um, with a blank expression on his face and just saying nothing 
uh, on entering the room, the, the, the whole room was covered in vomit. Oh dear. He had gotten sick everywhere. It was on the floor, on the bed. It was everywhere. So I had just looked at him and I said, Shane, you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? What happened? Um, because I knew if it was drink, it, you know, he, at least he'd be saying something. He wasn't answering anything I was asking him. I was asking, was he okay? And he just, he wouldn't answer. Hmm. So I left the room and I went into Mick. And I but said, you did see ripped socks and shoes on the floor and all sorts of things like that, didn't you? I had seen, he was wearing a white pair of runners uh, going out. He was wearing a black pair of socks. And the, the only way I can describe it to anybody is the plastic tips on the laces that you would tie your laces and laces have plastic tips on them had been singed and burned and then cut um, and then his socks uh, the only part of his socks that he had on coming home were from his ankles up so from his ankle to his toes were gone Oh my God, now we'll come back to that because that became very important evidence. And was it the f- yeah. following day then you tried to have a conversation with them, is it? Um, I had cleaned him up as best I could. Yeah. I had asked him what happened. He wouldn't answer me. He was getting upset. Um, I literally changed the undersheet, laid him down, covered him with the duvet, and I said, we'll talk in the morning. Yeah. So I went to make and I just said to make something bad is after happening something really bad is after happening so the following morning uh, I had hoped he'd stay in bed but he'd insisted on getting up and going to work I had asked him again in that morning what happened and he just said mom don't go there please don't go there Mm. Um, Mick had dropped him to work on Mick's way to work and I was going to collect him and you did I had taken the day off yeah Mm. I did and did you ask him then please please tell me I've seen your shoes I've seen the socks I know it wasn't drink something went on I pleaded with him. I pleaded with him and he said, Mom, please don't, please don't. And I had known at the time that there was um, somebody that he'd worked with was there that previous night. And I had just said, you you know, you either tell me or I'm going to find this person. I'm going to ask him what happened to you. So I put the indicator on in the car to pull in. Just, you know, to know him, that I to, to let him know I was serious about finding out what had happened on the previous night. And mm-hmm. I said to him, Shane, please, please tell me. You've got to tell me. We're going no further now until you tell me. And he looked at me and he just went, Mom, they shoved a bottle up my ass. He said those words, Mom, they shoved a bottle up my ass. They were his words. You're sitting Mom, in the driver's seat listening to this. I mean, you must have nearly I'm collapsed. sitting in the driver's seat on the main road looking at him and he looking at me and not a word being spoken. So I went, okay. Um, I asked him, was he okay? And he just wanted to go home. Yeah. Um, so I said, we, yeah, we need to get home. We so need to ring dad. And you, and told his, to get home. you told his dad, you told Mick. I told Mick. Um, at the time, Jamie was after coming home from school. Brother. Yeah, so... Uh, this was all going on. Um, Jamie at the time was 13. Um, my head wasn't really... Everything happened so, so fast. And there is no way that I could have protected Jamie from what was going on in the house that evening. So within, I had rang a family friend who just happened to be a guard and told him over the phone briefly what had happened. And Neil, within 
20 minutes, a half an hour, there was two plainclothes detectives accompanied by this family friend in my living room, um, speaking to Shane and asking Shane to go over what had happened the previous night. Okay, and, and, and Shane was happy with them arriving and everything and for the detectives to be involved? Uh, Shane was happy, yes, okay. as long as his family friend was there with him, gotcha. you know, yeah. while he spoke to them. Yeah, yeah, he was more comfortable with him. So Shane, uh, I was in the room, Mick was in the room uh, as well, and Shane had started telling them that they had left the Pope, they had gone to this caravan and they had literally sat down, they were having a few beers, and one of them said, will we spread him or what? So Shane didn't know what that meant until one of them was at his feet, tying his shoelaces, burning and singeing them, so he couldn't run away. So they tied the shoelaces, are you saying saying they tied the shoelaces together and then burnt them so they melted together? And then singed them, melted together so he couldn't do it. Thank you. So um, Shane was sitting on a couch, he slid down, okay? And while he was sliding down, he landed on his knees. He turned over. Okay, so he ended up of no fault of his own because his legs were tied together with his shoelaces, being practically on all fours with his head shoved into the couch. Okay? Okay. One of them sat on his head. The other one sat on his back. And the third guy uh, ripped open his jeans, uh, took off his jeans, took off his underwear, and then used a bottle between his buttocks. All while they were laughing and joking, doing it. Oh my God. This went on, Shane reckons, for a good five minutes while they were laughing and joking. Until he got up. No, but he, he is shouting, stop, stop, stop. Leave He's me shouting, alone. Stop. stop. He's shouting, stop. He's screaming, let me alone. He is afraid that he is going to get sick and he's afraid that he's going to choke because one of them is on his head, one of them is on his back, and the third person is on the floor. Eventually they stopped and they left him off, so he pulled up his jeans and pulled up his boxer shorts. They had to cut his shoelaces, uh, take off his shoes and cut his shoelaces so that he could put his shoes back on. At that stage, they tore the socks off his feet. One of them, uh, Jared Omani, uh, gave Shane 10 euros to replace the shoes or the socks on uh, the laces on his shoes and gave him a hug and told him we should do this more often. Oh, God. They then left the caravan, Darrow Reardon driving, and dropped Killian to a pickup point so Mick could pick him up. So the guards took all of this as a statement, of course, in the house. He took all this as a um, statement, yeah. And, and you were hearing uh, this for the first time. I was hearing this for the first time. Mick was with me. And I just remember Mick looking at Mick. He had a... I'm married to Mick for 23 years and I have never seen that look on his face. Um, Jamie was in and out of the sitting room. I was in complete and utter shock. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. The next thing they 
I just remember Shane getting up and being put into the back of a car with the two detectives and they explaining to us that Shane would have to attend uh, the South Infirmary that night for an examination. Again, it was COVID. Neither Mick nor myself could attend with him. Um, They also took the shoes, they took the socks and evidence bags, they took his mobile phone. Yeah, that was when they returned. They returned that night. He went, Shane went to the hospital, met nurses, um, and and then they examine him, don't they? Every part of his They examine him, they measure cuts, bruises, everything, every part of his body was examined. He came home with those little things, you know, those those heart pads attached to the inside of his ankles and everything, you know. Um, It was a beautiful evening. Um, I couldn't, when they had left, um, I went and checked on Jamie and Mick was sitting in the garden hysterically crying. Hysterically. To think there was nothing he could do. There was nothing he could say yeah. To do make anything any better. He was struggling, um, but uh, as a mother, you must have been struggling too, though. Um, I was very aware that Jamie had heard everything that had happened to his brother. I needed to protect him as well. Hmm. I needed to protect. There was nobody I could ring. There was nobody I could call. Hmm. We were in COVID, you know. <laughs> Um, Shane, Shane, so actually, yeah, Shane, actually, talking about making the call, it's Shane, after thinking about it for some time, decided that he did want to proceed to court, didn't he? And he did want to take an action or he did want the Gardaí to investigate yes. further. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. It was his call all along, 100 percent. And, you know, his decision, whatever decision he made, you know, he had our backing all the way. Okay. And then the so DPP... So they returned... Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. The DPP they returned in November. that night. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So when they returned, they took his shoes as evidence, his socks as evidence, his jeans, his boxer shorts, uh, everything as evidence. And we had heard, you know, that these three lads, um, Dara Reardon, Dara Collins and Jared Amani were being brought in for questioning. Um, um, they were brought into Bandon Garden Station for questioning um, they were held for 48 hours and released. The file was sent to the DPP um, when um, it was returned to us. There was two charges, one of um, sexual assault and the other one of false imprisonment um, from the DPP. So the three lads would have been brought to the court in Bandon uh, and presented with their books of evidence. Mm. I think that was around maybe... The end of May, start of June. Actually, I think it was a June bank holiday weekend. Yeah, 21. Yeah, so um, that was fine. Um, then um, we awaited, you know, instructions from, or waited for the guards and detectives to let us know all the time, you know, what was going on. And they were absolutely fantastic. They were available to us And slowly, slowly but surely, one and then the others indicated through their solicitors that they were willing to plead guilty to something or other, was it? Uh, the first one would have come on maybe the Tuesday after the bank holiday weekend and it was a plead uh, of guilty to... Um, Assault. Section, yes, assault, yeah, assault, yeah. Assault, yeah. Yeah. yeah, causing harm, yeah, yeah. 
So um, then the following week, the other two would have presented with the same uh, guilty plea of assault causing harm. Do you have thoughts on that? Because I know that Shane does have thoughts on it in the sense that he thinks that that plea was offered for assault to avoid a conviction for sexual assault, is it? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, If it went to full trial, um, you know, I suppose we were weighing up that, number one, when they pleaded guilty to um, assault with intent to cause harm, it was a guaranteed conviction from our side. Um, We were guaranteed to have all three convicted. Uh, We were guaranteed of a court day. If it went to full trial, and, you know, the guards had explained all this to us. If it went to full trial, Vin Shane would have literally had to prove without a shadow of a doubt that each and every one of the three that were guilty. Maybe one of them would have been charged. Maybe two of them would have walked away. We were on You know, we didn't I understand. Know. We will understand exactly yeah. what you're saying. Um, because yeah. if they had been found guilty, say, for instance, of um, uh, sexual assault, that would have been a sexual assault conviction and also sex offenders register. But by going for assault causing harm, pleading guilty to that, none of the rest would happen. We understand exactly. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we had Shane's best interest, um, you know, and you know, this was, it was his decision again at the end of the day. We, he had to weigh up a, a full week's trial with, you know, Shane taking the stand for three days. I think at that stage they had gone for junior counsel and they had applied for senior counsel um so yeah so at the end of the day we had to make our decision of whether shane would accept the plea of of uh, intent to cause harm so uh with the guarantee remember that all three would have a guaranteed conviction yeah so shane accepted it okay Uh, it had to go back to the dpp at that stage so we were never we never knew whether the DPP would accept that or not. The DPP could have come back and overruled Shane and said, no, I, my, my term, you know, I am still sticking to sexual assault and false imprisonment. Um, but the DPP did accept that. Okay. Um, and before we and get then, to the issue of yeah. the, actually the court appearances and the, and the, the impact yeah. statements, how, how was Shane coping between September and, and, and last summer? Because there's eight or nine months there. He must have struggled. Um, Shane, we had good days and we had very, very, very bad days. We had nights where we would have had to hide the keys to the front door. We had nights where Mick would have sat at the bottom of the bed and I would have slept with Shane for the night. We had uh, days when it was walking on eggshells. Shane was always a great guy for saving money, always putting away money for a rainy day. There was flat screen televisions arriving. There was clothes arriving every day. I think within the space of maybe two to three weeks, Shane had all his savings spent. Oh, my God. Because I think in his eyes, that was the only thing he could control. He had no control over anything. Nor anything, nor his emotions, because... Nor his emotions. Clearly, obviously, pure mental and mental pain, anger, bouts of uncontrollable crying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, his, His relationship with me was completely and utterly shattered. We would always have been really, really, really close. Um, there would be six years between Shane and Jamie. Jamie stepped up though, didn't uh, he? 
Absolutely, absolutely, and still is to this day. But I would have pleaded with Shane to see a counsellor. Other people would have pleaded with Shane to see a counsellor. And you must remember as well, we're still in COVID. Uh, Nobody else knew about this. We had kept this in our own bubble. You know, my my parents on both and his grandparents on both sides didn't know anything about this. So we couldn't talk to anybody about this, only ourselves. Yeah. So I had pleaded with him to see a counsellor and he was like, no, no, no. And uh, one evening inside in the kitchen, um, I said something and he started screaming at me, screaming at me, which was totally out of character. And he would have left the kitchen, banged the door upstairs, banged his door and literally just in a rage. I had left him there and the following day he came downstairs and he just said to me, mom, he said, I cannot keep treating you the way I treat you. Fair he said, I'm treating you like a punch bag. I know. He said, I need to speak to somebody. And he did, didn't he? Yeah. Although because of the times we lived in, it was yeah. probably Zoom calls, yeah. was it? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was. Mm, um, well he would have had a Zoom call uh, every Thursday morning. So, um, so yeah. Did he, it he help? Got, you know, he d- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he still speaks about it. You know, uh, he's still, you know, he's he's very aware that you know what's in the jar always isn't bad. You and know, he, I'm glad that he had the yeah. you know the emotional intelligence to decide to you know get something yeah, to help him. Yeah. Mom, I need to talk to someone. I can't keep treating you this way. You, yeah. you said it was un, it was unknown of. I know there wasn't any media present at the um, at the no. ch- at the charges and what have you, but. People did know, didn't they? Because wasn't there all sorts of awful stories during the rounds? Um, was one okay, anyway, wasn't there so about money or something? There was. Okay, so um, um, we didn't know who know knew. There was nobody said anything to Mick and myself. It was one night. My dad, who would be seventy five, seventy six years of age, was going for a walk down the road, walking his dog. And somebody stopped and said to him, is Shane going to accept this money? And dad turned around and said, what What money? What's wrong with Shane? For the assault that took place the night of his leaving search. And dad was like, what assault? Yeah. And they said, Shane was sexually assaulted the night, sexually assaulted the night of his leaving search. Now, Neil, I had to sit into my car because my sister rang me at work. I had to leave work and sit into my car and go over and explain to both my parents what happened to their grandson that night. You know, I had ra- you know, I had rang a- a- another friend of mine and I had confided in her and she had was aware of it. And she had said, yes, are you only hearing those stories now? And I kind of went, but what do you mean? And she said, there's stories all over West Cork that you were offered 20 and 30,000, that they went to your door and they offered 20 and 30,000 and 40,000. 40,000 never happened. To drop the complaint. That was crap. Yeah. It was nobody Timothy. knocked yeah. on my front door before the case, during the case, or since the case. There was nobody have has come near any one of okay. us. Okay, okay, okay. It's awful to have to deal with that on top of everything else. Uh, I suppose you vividly recall the actual day uh, of the case, don't you? Because there would have been a lot of solicitors there. Yeah, there would have been a lot of barristers there, incidentally. Um, and it was really busy. It would have been my first time there in Anglesey Street. Uh, obviously, it would have been Mix and Shane's first day as well. 
um, we had to sign in going into the court and because our names weren't on the list we couldn't get in so I ended up bringing Detective Guard Slater to come down and get us in so he walked up with us it was the 7th of September it would have been one year to, to the, the day, day that the assault took place yeah, yeah. on Shane Okay and so the three accused yeah. were there in the court obviously I, I believe they brought um, money with them incidentally yeah, but Detective so, Slater would have walked us up and would have made us aware where they were standing when we opened the door it was in, in the foyer outside it wasn't in the courtroom it was in a foyer and he had made us aware where in the foyer they were standing you know And so how was Shane how was them. Shane at this stage Shane uh, was okay before we went in. Um, he got to the bottom of the corridor uh, where Detective Slater had taken us and he just said, Mom, can you get me a chair? Yeah. And I had said, are you okay? So quickly, Mick gave him a bottle of water. We had sat him down and I just said to him, are you okay? And he said, I didn't think I'd react like this. So I said, it's okay. You know, Detective Slater was there and we were chatting and it was okay. And you look, it was his first time coming face to face with the three lads. Yeah. Um, so um, at that, we were sitting outside. There was a lot of court cases being called. The, the, you know, the three lads and their parents were down at the bottom of the, the foyer. We were up at the top. Uh, half an hour late, later came and um, we were informed that... Um, the judge had looked at the case. He was aware there was a large book of evidence there. He was aware that there was three uh, parties involved and he was going to uh, basically ask us to come back the following week. And that happened. Different judge. And um, that happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's yeah. an awful wait then on top of everything else. You have yeah. to wait another week. Yeah, yeah. So there was never there was never any approach from anybody to apologise or to nope. say I'm nope. ever, nope. ever. No, okay. we walked... I would have walked past them as long with with Mick with Shane several times during that morning uh, to go get a bit of fresh air to go go for a walk, you know. Uh, and no, n- no, they never even made eye contact with okay, us. Okay. And um, yeah. that was it. We went home. We 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 knew that the court case was going to be heard the following week, so we repeated the same thing the following week. Um, it was uh, we arrived we met Detective Gardner Slater three lads were there uh, Dara Reardon Dara Collins Jordan Manny accompanied by their parents um, we were in courtroom number four we were told we were in courtroom number four so we hadn't been in a courtroom before thank God uh, so uh, Detective Slater had said it to Shane would he like to step into the courtroom just to see the layout so it was a small courtroom. Helen, Judge Helen uh, Boyle was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we took our seats at the, the back of the court, Mick, myself and Shane. We were in the courtroom maybe 10, 15 minutes before the lads would have been brought in. So they were brought in to our left and they were all, um, you know, brought to the docks. Yes. And there would be, yeah. of course, Shane speaking from the doc or speaking from the witness box yeah. regarding witness what box, we call yeah. as impact statement but um but, yeah. and then of course there would be defense barristers would have had an opportunity because they obviously were pleading for mitigation or leniency yes. i suppose mm. um yeah, yeah, but yeah, shane yeah. was shane was so powerful in what he had to say you know he thanked an awful lot of people he he thanked sally o'hanlon with support after Graham. he talked yeah. to thanked all of the yeah. guardy but he thanked his family as well so much you your husband yeah. jamie um, yeah. that must have been very yeah. emotional for you. 
Jamie had turned into Shane's carer. Um, and that is something we're still working on. Uh, uh, Jamie is now uh, 14. Um, and Jamie won't go to bed without knowing Shane is okay. If Shane is out, he wants to know where he is. Can you give him a ring, mom, just before I go to bed? Because I want to say goodnight to him. Shane, uh, Jamie needs to know Shane's every movement and to know he's constantly okay. I know. And if Shane is having a bad day, then Jamie doesn't understand, even though he knows what happened, he can't do anything to make it better. Yeah, this is all impact after crime. We have yeah. the victims yeah. of crime and the impact yeah. they and their families like ripples in a pool. Yeah. There was yeah. there was part of the case and the pleading for leniency where a defence barrister said it was a prank gone wrong oh, and a messing yeah. joke. How did you feel about that? Uh, Jamie caught my hand. I looked at his face and he looked at mine. Neil, a kick in the stomach. Honest to God. A prank. Are you joking? A prank to me is putting shaving foam on the top of somebody's coffee, pretending it's cream. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a prank. To call it a prank is insulting my son. It's... I get so cross when I hear that word prank. It was a vile violation, actually, and it was a very, very cowardly act by three young men ganging up on another one, humiliating him like that. Um, never mind the fear of choking or what they did with that bottle. Um, and you know what? No is no. Stop is stop. Everybody's being taught you know, that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, in fairness, the judge did say that that day. She did deliberate for 15 minutes because she did know, you know, the seriousness of the case. She okay. informed us she was going to deliberate for 15 minutes to consider a custodial sentence. Uh, she was going to have to look at another case similar to that uh, for reference. Um, you know, we deliberated for 15 minutes. At that stage, you know, Mick, myself and Shane would have just got, got out for two minutes out of the foyer for a breather. Shane was fuming. He was upset. He was angry. He 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 said, Mom, they called it a prank. And I said, I, you know, I know. I had to agree with him. I, I said, I know, I know. But look, what, what, what can we do? Yeah. Uh, we were back into the, the courtroom at that stage. I think Shane had read his victim impact statement. When Shane was leaving the the uh, witness box, each of their barristers stood up and apologised on behalf of each of their clients, Dara Reardon, Dara Collins and Gerard Manning. In my eyes as a mother, you know, that apology doesn't do anything. The words are words, you know. Would it, it have made a difference if they had stood up rather than getting a barrister to do it, do you think? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, Neil. They've okay. never, ever apologised for what they've done. They have never acknowledged what they've done, not to mind they apologise. They've never acknowledged it. And can I ask you about the actual sentence? Because the judge did come back, did impose a sentence, but not a custodial. She spoke about their guilty pleas, their lack of previous convictions, the fact that they brought compensation, good character, and they got 18 months sentences which were fully suspended. How did the family feel about that? 
Okay, so the 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 courtroom quickly. Uh, that was the end of the court case. Uh, Mick, myself, and Shane uh, exited straight away, along with. Um, so we would have stood outside directly outside the courtroom door. Sorry, before we had left. I think what the nail and the, the you know what really hurt Shane was that the barrister fist pumped and said, "Well done." Did you see that with your own eyes now? It was right in front of us. It was right in front of us. Fist pumped. We had left the room. Yeah, fist pumped them. We had left the room and Mick turned around. They had come out. Jordamani, Dara Collins, Dara Reardon with their parents were standing to our left. They were all hugging each other. They were all, you know, crying. They were all well done. And Mick just turned around to uh, Detective Slater and said, we have to get out of here. We can't stay here. We have to go. Fist Bye. pump. Fist pump is... Um Almost like a victory sign, yeah. isn't it? Like it's almost like indicating a win. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It broke our hearts to the fact that Mick wouldn't stay there for one minute longer than he had. We actually left the courtroom that day. Do you feel you got justice? Knowing. No, no. If it was me, Neil. Um, Eye contact is, and in, in my like, eye contact is a way that you can make eye contact with somebody, you know, and say, "I'm sorry." If it was me, and if one of my children done that to another person, I would. I don't care how I would have done it. I would have approached that person and said, "I am so sorry for what happened. It should never have got to this." And I just want to make an apology, and I would like if you accepted my okay. apology. Okay. That to us would have been the end of it. But you, you know, but to to this day, do you believe there should have been a custodial sentence? There was yes. no apology, of course, apart from through the barristers. But on, you know, absolutely. Okay, so there was no acknowledgement. There was no apology. There was no communication whatsoever. None of the three of them, we still don't know to this day, neither does Shane, which one of the three of them held that bottle. Um, if it had they been, stood shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. If it had been three men of that age with a woman of that age, would you think there would have been a custodial sentence then? 100%. Okay. I would have been shocked if there wasn't. Of course so there would have been. Why would it be different for your son? It shouldn't be any different. It shouldn't be any different. Okay, yeah. I felt we feel very left down did we the, left did, that courtroom did, that day to pick up pieces does Shane regret taking it as far as he did now I wonder no no okay well that's at least something at least that's something and you know no um, and, and, no. and I suppose they have to live those three have to live in the knowledge that their mm-hmm. cowardliness and their violation is known to the public as well and do, do, do you we chatted before and, and you told me mm-hmm. that you felt somewhat you struggled with the fact that you drove him to town to the Leaving Cert party and you feel somewhat responsible for that that's very sad to hear yes um, I Neil, I, I would have sat Shane in the car uh, yeah. with me and I would have dropped the Shane to them at a meeting point. So Shane would have got out of my car and into their car. Yeah, yeah. I feel 
and that is something Shane is aware of. As a mother, I'm aware of. As a mother, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Shane and myself have spoken about it. I feel so responsible because I put him there that afternoon with those three uh, people. Mm. Um, you know, left my car and into their car. I know, I know. It's probably a very natural reaction and it's point, pointless me telling you that you shouldn't feel that way. It's it's how you feel, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, how's, uh, and how have you all been since September and even before that? Is Shane out and about now? Is he managing to get aspects of his life back together again? Shane is... Okay, so Shane uh, is, is doing okay. Uh, Shane has had... and no contact from his Leaving Cert class that year because Shane often wondered who knew and who didn't know. As it turns out, I think everybody, everybody knew. Yeah. Uh, so Shane has, I think, you know, put that Leaving Cert class, we'll say, he just doesn't want to go back there. He doesn't want to think about it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with because everybody knew Neil. Nobody came to him he had nobody you know, nobody supported him even though everybody knew what happened to him why do you think that is that nobody comes to him now I don't know but maybe they I just don't, don't know. know what to say I mean it's like as if he's had a whole maybe. section of his life erased yeah maybe you know maybe and I don't blame anybody for that you know uh, Shane again has good days he has bad days he's got you know I suppose he would have a great relationship with, with my parents he's has he has a good relationship with with, with mixed parents mixed parents only found out found out at half five the day of the court case you know mm. we hadn't told anybody uh, they're there now supporting him you know he's got a wonderful girlfriend in, in, in Cork she's a great support to him um, so he's you know he's he's doing okay he's doing okay he still speaks about it. Um, Probably has nightmares just, about it. It will never leave him. You know, people ask us, and somebody asked me the other day, how are we doing? And I, my answer was, we're learning to cope and yeah, live with it. I know. We, we have to learn to live with it. You know? And that's the way it is. Jamie is, is, is you know, as long with Shane, Jamie is now our priority. We have to start looking after Jamie. We have to get Jamie to speak to somebody because Jamie is after isolating himself. He's in second year in, in school. You know, he's after isolating himself from his friends. God. Look at the impact it's had on so, all the family. So we have to start concentrating on Jamie now and trying to rebuild Jamie to, you know, a stage where he's comfortable going out and comfortable going out knowing that Shane is out and not ringing me wanting to know what time Shane is going to be back. You know, there are so many unanswered questions here. I could be here all day about the society that we live in now or, well, you know, what how, how people mm, behave mm. and where they learn those behaviours mm. from and who's responsible mm. for it. Mm. <sighs> it's just, I mean, it's just words yeah. fail me, you know. Um, do you think that the justice mm -hmm. system needs uh, an overhaul in this regard, that it's no longer good enough to say first conviction, bringing money to court, uh, guilty pleas, that all that can make such a big difference to a, a, a vile act? 
the whole thing needs to be looked at. No means no. No means no. When somebody says no and somebody says stop, you stop. Yeah. You you stop you stop immediately. You know, you don't stand up and literally, you know, give somebody a hug that you've just assaulted and say, we must get together again. And Claire, why are you, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're comfortable doing this, but why are you talking about it? Is it as a warning? Is it, it's a story you wish to share? Why? You know, Neil, somebody made a comment that this thing happens and men don't report it. That's not right. Mm. There are so many cases that go unreported. It's you, not right. And was that said to you, you? Was that said to you guys? Yes, absolutely. Just absolutely. forget, just you know, forget they, about it. Yeah, you know they congratulated us on what we had done, and, and you know said so many. You know people don't do oh, it and don't mean. report After it. After the fact, it was it was it was saying well done for reporting it. You know because men yeah, don't yeah, by and large. Yeah. 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 The services out there are there. I mean, the the, the, the section over in Germanway of um, you know, they're fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Sally Hanlon, super victims after crime. Yeah. You know, yeah. she was fantastic. But crimes go unreported. Is it maybe it's because? Well, I'm actually probably sure it's because nobody knows what way the court case is going to. But I have to say to you, just finally, maybe well, some of the reasons that it isn't reported is that people get 18 months suspended sentences if they plead guilty to a lesser charge. Yeah, is yeah. There is, that, there, there is that about it. There is that about it. You know, there are days that I question myself. We should have taken it to full trial, but would would we have got a conviction? Hmm, who knows? You don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows the system. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know. Claire, I've taken up so much of your time, but I am very grateful for it. And those who are listening are also very grateful. I'm sure I speak on their behalf. Um, you know, what, what else mm-hmm. can I say? Uh, it's it's very brave of yeah. you to share the story. And our thoughts are with you and the family and, and, uh, and Shane and, and Dee Jamie and, and Mick and your good self. Thank you, Neil. Yeah. Look after each other. We will. Thank you. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Sally O'Hanlon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Heading up uh, support after crime, you have dealt with many, many cases and people who come to you for help. And it was the same in this case with regards to Shane. So thank you for sharing as much as you can about his story. Um, at, wh- at what point would you meet with Shane or, or with, with his mom, Claire, or his da- or, you know, dad, Mick? Is it for yeah. is, it the, is it the guards that bring them to work on things with you? the guards referred them for some support and indeed when there's a guilty plea or a conviction in the courts for the victim impact statement to help them to keep it within the guidelines and to piece it together so the full impact can come out. Okay, and you helped then 
uh, Shane to draft his impact statement, which is very, yes. very powerful. Uh, however, I mean, there, there are lots of unanswered, unanswered questions that he still has, though. You know, he talks about the fact that the family worry about him all of the time. You know, we know that maybe a year and a half of his life was robbed. We know that he has awful memories of the event. And he, he wonders and he says, I still struggle to understand their actions. Why me? Was it planned? Mm-hmm. Was I an easy target? Um, are these questions that victims always ask? Indeed, so you could you could list them. You could write a a list of maybe ten questions like that. And like for Shane, he's no small boy. He's a big, fine, handsome young man, yeah. big, tall young man. Yeah. And I think for him, what's what's there is the embarrassment of it. He shouldn't have shame about it, but he does. He now has a lack of trust uh, and his confidence is shattered. And that he was degraded by the actions of so-called friends. Because he had said said on that day when he was going in with his mom, aren't I so lucky that I was in school with, you know, he named one or two of them uh, all my life and we're getting to celebrate our leaving cert together. So he was very trusting and it ended up as being a humiliating violation. He was, he was. And should they were out for a night to celebrate their leaving cert results, which should have been a great night, a night to remember. And it turned into a nightmare for Shane. But why do people, I mean, is it any wonder that people don't report as much as they should or don't go to court as much as they should? Because I don't think anybody takes a, a criminal action and involves the guards and the DPP um, hoping that their uh, attacker will get a suspended sentence. Well, again, I would think that in, in uh, for a lot of people now, not all, and we can't judge everybody, I think once the truth is out there and there's a guilty plea, more even than a conviction, the victim and that can rest assured that the people know the truth. These lads or whoever they are, the accused, have put up their hands and said, yes, we did this. Now, if they didn't say we're sorry is another thing, but we did it. Now, what do we want after that? What justice do we need? Personally, I think for those lads, they should have got at least a two-year sentence because a year and a half has been taken from Shane waiting and worrying and going through all the emotions that you spoke about already, and yet they're free. Yeah, yeah. They got, know, just to remind people, they got an 18-month suspended, fully suspended sentence each. Are you suggesting that they should have served two years, served two years? Well, I think if it's 18 months suspended, they should, they should at least have got some time behind prison bars. Be it 12 months of that 18 or whatever. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that would teach them their behaviour is not acceptable. Yeah, I mean, when somebody shouts stop, stop is stop, isn't it? And the message that's going out all of the time is no means no. Um, he, he, of yes. course, he, of course, on the night had somebody sit on his back. Uh, he was choking um, and he was shouting, no, no, stop, stop, stop. What made it worse was that one of the barristers called it a prank gone wrong or a joke. I mean, this is not... Well, I mean, what kind of a mind or minds would decide that our friend were going to, to degrade him in this fashion by doing what they did? And 
with with a battle, okay, it wasn't penetration, but it was a battle. And how that, that thought would get into their head. Well, the fact that it wasn't pre- that. penetration makes very little difference in my book because he never knew whether it was going to be penetrative or not. He was expecting that no, every moment no, no, of no, his nightmare. No. I mean, it must have been absolute, that experience, and, and I know he told us, it was absolutely terrifying for him because he did not know what the outcome the beginning of it was so unexpected. He didn't know how far they were going to go. Well, how was he going to be able to get away from them safe, you know? And the manner in which it was done with regards to um, setting fire to his shoelaces and making sure that they melted together so he couldn't run away, giving him a tenor, you know, and saying we must, yes. you know, we must go out again more often. It was very, very degrading, wasn't it? Um, you know, with, with regards degrading. to, uh, you know, so, so we, we have a victim of crime. Do we also have victims... Still after the court case where his mother is absolutely still very angry, for instance, uh, that there was a of suspended course. sentence. Um, so, they, so, the, so the victims remain victims for a long time. They do. They do. I mean, you have that family. I mean, I remember him saying that uh, his younger brother uh, was so worried about him that he couldn't sleep at night going in and out of the room to check on Shane. You know, so it goes down. The father, again, I didn't get to meet him. But again, we were told how upset and angry he was that this would happen to to Shane. So, like, I mean, it has a rippling effect. Now, I hope that the family will heal in time and our organization will be there to support them in that healing. It's very raw and fresh yet in a local community where people are easily identified. Yes, yes. So those memories, do they ever fade? Can they fade faster with help? I think they can fade faster with help. They'll never forget that incident. Uh, But to cope with it and to manage it and to try and place it in perspective as one horrible event in their life, not to let it detain them from living the rest of their life to the fullest. Yeah, he he did say that he had lost control of his life. He said, uh, he, uh-huh. the, the, in fact, the only thing that he can control, could control, his mother said, was what was in his bank account. And he went on an unmerciful spending binge, apparently, because he had lost control out of, of all other aspects of his life. Aspects. And, and, and I, yes. think, I think, you know, for anybody with a son or a daughter, can I, were you, were you, can I just ask you, would, would this have, you've seen many cases maybe similar to this and others, would it have made a difference if it was three boys attacking a girl? I, I think it would have had more severe consequences. Do you think that judges That's would take... My, my personal view. Yeah. And were you in court on that day? No, I was unable to be in court that day. Okay. But when you when you uh, heard the news, when you when you heard the news, were you shocked? I was glad they had pleaded guilty to save Shane given evidence, right? Uh but I was shocked with the sentence. Would they have pleaded guilty to um assault rather than sit through a court case and uh, be found guilty of sexual assault um, and therefore be put on the sex offenders register? 
would they have pleaded guilty to that, is it? No, what I'm I saying is, what, was, so. was there a reason to um, plead guilty to assault to avoid right. uh, going through yeah. and being found Possibly. guilty? Possibly. But then if they weren't charged with the use of what was referred to as the weapon or the object, uh, because we couldn't mention that in the victim impact statement because there was no charge on it. Um, you know, it, it's. I think that they would have fought it harder if it had been a sexual crime they had been uh, charged with. Yeah, but his mother said that um, they got the assault guilty, guilty assault, right? but they may not have got it across the line for false imprisonment and sexual assault. Worse to that effect, you know. Mm, yeah, again, it isn't hard to say, you know, in the courts, they vary. The judges vary, the different, the defence counsels vary. It's very hard. You can never predict the outcome of the court. But I do know that when it made the headlines uh, on the papers in the following few days, they were very taken back because it made the front page and they were not prepared for that. Who? Uh, the family. I think they're, if anything, relieved that it's making the news, though, don't you think? Oh, it's relieved that it's making the news now and, and did then. But I suppose the fact that it actually was the headlines using, uh, to the best of my recollection, about the bottle. Yes. Um that they were a little taken back. Okay, well... You know, I suppose not prepared for it, maybe, you know. Yeah, okay. And what message should this send out to parents then, or indeed children or teenagers or or 20-somethings? You have to be responsible for your actions and, and be made responsible, accountable. So in the long run, those three boys, yes, they're named. Yes, they're shamed, I hope. And maybe they do regret what they did. Um, and it would be good if if Shane could actually believe that they are remorseful for what they did to him on that night. Yeah, but that would surely have been an apology, a face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball apology, wouldn't it? To to be remorseful. That that it would, yes, it would. But that would have to be arranged, as you know yourself. Now the court procedures, it's they're kept apart, and with with the with the solicitors and that, you know, in case anything goes wrong, there's no. Uh, how would I say? Oh no, I don't. I don't know. First. I don't know how that would work. I'm just saying, if the judge felt that they were remorseful. Where did where was the remorse? I mean, I know I wasn't in yeah. court. Maybe how did she? How did she? How did she know? I have no idea. That's but I wasn't there, so I don't know what else went on on the day. So I don't yeah, know where the, the actual remorse was. What 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 I do know as a person who's read as much of it as I can is that we have people pleading guilty to assault causing harm, and each of the three of them uh, avoiding a custodial sentence and getting eighteen months suspended. It it, it happens yes. quite a lot in Ireland, doesn't it? It does, it does, it does. And it's very hard for the families. Now, we have we have Shane's family who are victims and, and, and will be victims for some time. But with the help of God, we'll be able to get them to move on from it. But then we have, and I know this may not become, their parents are also victims. 
Correct. And even, and you know what? Claire said that as well. Sometimes she's very angry and sometimes she feels really sorry for the families. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because they certainly would not have taught that their sons would be capable of contemplating of doing this to their, to their friends. Yeah, I think one of the things that comes back to me just finally, and I know I mentioned it, uh, he keeps on wondering, why me? And did they plan yes. it? And did they plan it in advance? He, he probably needs to stop asking him those questions, doesn't he? It's easy for me to say. He, but he, I know, but that'll take time. All right. And, okay. and in the next two weeks before Christmas, we'll meet with Shane again and with Claire and we will have another chat and indeed with Mick and Jamie if they need it and see where is the starting point of moving on because we can change the court process now and the outcome of it. Um, and maybe these lads will have to live with that and as you know, if they're not going to be able to go to Australia or America or go anywhere to have a criminal conviction, yeah. may it may that not a sexual one or on the sexual register, no, no. but... You know, and, and in a country area, Neil, everybody knows. They were named. Everybody knows that they were. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You know, and it's sad. But look, we hope we will work with them in every way possible to, you know, get them back. Because they're a lovely family. And I know if it happened, I have four sons. And if it happened to one of my sons, I know I would be extremely angry. I'd be gunning for the court who'd have done it. Right? Well, you would, so and you'd wonder how you'd wonder how they must feel um, when they feel that you know they're kind of stopped short of getting justice. They feel you know the suspended yes. sentence might as well be nothing at all. But that's the court for you. Who can ever tell? That's the court for us. And the only thing is, it might make them behave themselves for that for sure. months. Yeah, for sure. But you know, Neil, would it be an idea? And I don't know whether it would or not. That okay, they got a suspended sentence, and this was all drink related, right? Should they not be some condition on them that they would provide a sample to stay off drink for once a month for the eighteen months? I've no idea. See, I don't know if there were any stipulations in court. I don't know. No, I wouldn't imagine there would be, but I think for something like this, there should be okay. because this okay. was drink fueled. Yeah. Mind you, it doesn't. Something to look at, maybe. Yeah, but you don't think that alcohol gets used as an excuse? Where would somebody not be capable of doing this without drink? I mean, why would drink be a factor? Like either either you're capable of it or you're not. No. I I yes, you're right in that. But then we know that drink is mind mind altering. Yeah. And I just like they were admitting to having had X amount of drink. And bringing more drink back to to the the van or the party van, so again, it's just it's it's just a toll I have. Well, you're but the one you're you're the, the one that deal, deals with many of the victims of crimes like this, and you should be listened to if you're saying that part of the process or a suspended sentence for awful crimes that they should involve reporting with blood samples or urine samples over I don't know I don't know, maybe once a week. I haven't I haven't a clue. I mean, that could yeah. people need to listen to you when you say things like that. Well, I think they do, and they need to. They know then that they have to stay, you know, mind them, and and for that, then there is a punishment, and that for them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you so much for taking the call, Sally. We're all very lucky to have you, and certainly the victims of crime are very lucky to have you. We'll give our contact details should people wish to get in touch. Okay. No problem. Thank you, Neil. Thanks, have Sally. Bye.
Support After Crime Cork is on 021-432-0555. And as always, my contact is by text, 0868-104-106, by phone, 1850-104-106. So if you have a story you wish to share, and I won't give out personal information or details. Indeed, in the case that I've just dealt with, uh, I change names. Uh, but if you want to get in touch by email, neil at uh, redfm.ie. In fact, not only did... Uh, I changed names, but so did the court reports afterwards with regards to uh, the original court copy from Barry Roach and the Irish Times. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And I will come back to calls, texts and emails, I promise, but I just need to take some time out on a very busy morning to let you know that uh, we have some great giveaways between now and the end of the year, and it really has picked up in that regard, and it's great to see Everything's so busy out there and competition-wise we're, we're rocking and uh, Douglas Village Shopping Centre in the heart of Douglas Village are 50 years in business this year. So they're celebrating their 50th. My God, is it really 50 years? I remember having a part-time job way back in the early Quinsworth days back then. It wasn't, wait a second, that wasn't 50 years ago. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't changed out of 40 anyway, I can tell you though. But anyway, so 50 years and they've given me, you're not going to believe this, we have two grand in prizes to give away this week and what I've decided to do is bring Break them up. So we have two winners a day, each winning a 200 euro gift card that you can spend at Douglas Village Shopping Centre, celebrating its 50th birthday this year. It was Cork's first ever shopping centre and the second one to open in Ireland. And I'd love later in the week to chat to somebody who knows all about the trivia and the history and the background to Cork's first ever shopping centre. I'm sure the Douglas Village Shopping Centre can find me someone that can go that far back and talk about it. Before that, it was all smaller shops and corner shops and, and what have you. Um, but I'll have more of that anyway throughout the course of the week. So, how are we doing it? Well, I'm concentrating on the 70s, alright, because it was 1971 uh, when, when it opened uh, 50 years ago. So the 70s as a decade then becomes the mechanic I'm using. We'll have two winners every day and you'll both win a 200 euro gift card. It will solve an awful lot of Christmas headaches, a 200 euro gift card. So with the 70s in mind, I'll be opening the phone lines again a little before uh, midday today. If I can find the goddamn clip, it's so busy. I'll be opening the phone lines a little later on this morning. And you need to identify the song, the film, the event, and then the year. All built in to this uh, short 17 second clip. So the song, the movie, the event, and the year. What is it that's not exactly water mm-hmm. and it ain't exactly earth? Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. I love that because a bit of a challenge involved in that now. It's a bit of work for you guys to do on that. And that's the way it's going to be right across the week. But two winners, if you can identify the four parts to that. The song, the movie, the event and the year. You've got to get all four right. I'll play it again before midday. Uh, I'll play it again now, actually, and then again before midday. And a 200 euro voucher. We'll start with callers 10 and 11, see how we get on. What right? is it that's not that's exactly water mm-hmm. and it ain't exactly earth? That's the song. What? Here comes the event. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. And add all those together and also give me 
the year. So we are talking about the 70s, but which year? October, what was it? November 18th, 1971. So we're coming up to the 50th anniversary later this week. And happy anniversary to all at Douglas Village Shopping Centre. On top of that, north of the river, we have also cash to give away for Grona Broher Credit Union every single day this week. But you need to know your north side on that one. So I'll come back to that a little later on. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868104106. But I don't get to today. I will pick up on tomorrow. And again, my sincerest thanks to Claire on her behalf, on Shane's behalf, and entire, indeed the entire family, um, you know, recalling that court case and the events in their lives. I gave out the, the numbers already, so all is good in that regard. A uh, lot of texts on this, which I'll come to in a second. Frank is standing by, and so is Eilish. Oh my God, that poor lady. I have heard, I, I've, I've never heard something so horrific. Uh, that's horrendous. It sounds like something, those low, I can't read that out on air, guys. I just, that woman, that woman on air is breaking my heart. That poor boy, my heart is breaking from him. I'm actually crying on my break. Is it possible to do something nice for this lad? Um, this is so upsetting. I'm crying here listening to this lady. I do hope with all my heart that he finds the strength to recover from this. Uh, the world, Neil, has gone completely mad. Oh my God almighty, I feel sick following that interview. I'm sick listening to this. Absolute hell for that poor boy. Oh my God, I do time for it. Uh, those courtroom apologies were nothing more than a defence tactic says Richie um, would the barristers say it was a prank if it was their son how can anyone ever defend them uh, he fist pumped oh my god um, but uh, others suggesting that it should be appealed and uh, you, yeah I'll come back to that actually for fear that maybe I didn't clarify it enough uh, the DPP was uh, yeah I'll come, I'll come back to that because originally the DPP had wanted um, uh, the original uh, charge was false imprisonment and sexual assault um, but they they agreed then, the state opted not to proceed with false imprisonment and sexual assault and agreed then to go ahead and accept the guilty pleas for assault. So there'd be no point appealing this because it had been agreed by the DPP on behalf of the state. Okay, so I hope that explains that part of it. Eilish, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you today? Very good. Not good, I suppose. Listen to me, my first... Um thoughts are this is just another scandalous miscarriage of justice in this country okay yeah. and I don't doubt it in my heart of hearts that this had it may be drink induced but I think this was a premeditated thing well I'm not going I'm going to be very careful about not you know going down into any kind of cul-de-sacs here or getting anybody okay, into, okay. into hot water but the, the, it's interesting you say I mean, that because Shane has asked himself that on numerous occasions since why me and was it planned why no, me and no, was it planned? So that's I, that, that clearly keeps so. him awake at night. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. The other thing is, I, I'm just curious as to whether people think or not a suspended sentence is um, justice. It's disgusting. It's happening every day, Neil. People try to kill each other and they're getting suspended sentences. But anyway, that poor boy was forced into accepting a wrong plea. Um, you know, they kind of duped him, I'd say, and his family. Um, All right, I, 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 won't, I won't go there. I'm terribly sorry. I appreciate you taking the call, Eilish, but I have no idea what you're intending to say. So until such time, I just have to walk carefully. With the Irish courts, lads, and Irish defamation laws, it's the worst in the world. Uh, you leave yourself wide open, and I'm not in a position to be able to do that right now. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, suspended sentence. The simple question. Uh, is it good enough? Simple question. Disgraceful. And it's... Personally, think it's the reason why people don't come forward. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 
I mean, both men and women. I mean, I think Sally would have been able to tell you there's only about, was it, 2 or 3% of women come forward and only 2% or 1% of that get convictions. Yeah, um, it's 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 a horrifying figure, all right. The amount, firstly, that never report, and then the amount that report that actually go through to trial, um, have the bravery to go into a courtroom. That's when you get down to the four four percent or something. And then it gets and then it gets even smaller. Then where they're actually uh, believed, and there's a custodial sentence. It just gets tinier and tinier all along the way. It, it certainly does. And but I mean. How can it be justified? First of all, personally, I do think that the DPP should be able to appeal, not appeal because no. they accepted the conviction, no. but should be able to appeal the leniency. Do you think that I they mean, could appeal the sentence then? The, exactly, just stick to the Thanks sentence. for correcting me on that. Okay. No, I, I, I'm not 100% right, Neil. But, I mean, I've seen before where sentences can be appealed from Absolutely. You know something, you, you, you are right, and, and I do stand corrected. One can always appeal leniency of, yeah, of I a would guilty have, I charge. Would have so, yeah, I would have thought so, and I don't see why not. Um, no, I know the way you were saying about Shane, wondering why me and what it planned. And that. Neil, this, it doesn't sound the least bit spontaneous. In in only the only thing I can say about that, I'd have to pull you up on anything else. Is 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 is, is it was it entered in an evidence or in part of his victim impact statement that one said to the other, "Well, will we spread him or what?" Do you think that that may have been a discussion that was had earlier or something? Then, well, I think the or what proves that I had been had, okay, okay, had earlier, okay. you know, okay. But um, but no, I think it's already. I mean. A notorious judge who I want to right, end please, up. Please, 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 I'm not interested. I interest want anybody. I'm just, but yeah, he, he's yeah. known for it. Especially, I mean, have we ever learned in Ireland the sentencing in an awful lot of sex crimes? It's horrendous. Okay, but this wasn't um, a, a know, charge of a sex crime. crime. It was assault. Right. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I mean, these lads can now later in life obviously move out of the town, but they're quite free to walk with vulnerable teenagers? Well, they're quite free to do whatever they wish having been given a suspended sentence and yeah. not being on the sex offenders register. So let's just let's just be aware of that. And oh, I know that. I Actually, mean, what, like... For, for, yeah. What, 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 what I find extraordinary is that time after time we're hearing of cases. We had a convicted murderer, right? Fellow from, right. from, I mean, from Lithuania, a guy called Rosinskas. Um, yeah. And over in Lithuania, he... Um, He's done 15 years, I think. Thank you. He he murdered his wife. He um, did, yeah. He murdered his wife, and I think he got out after about 10, whatever way there are a lot of... Premeditated murder. It was something he planned and did. So he comes over here. We haven't a clue who he is, and he's walking amongst us. And then he's before the Irish courts, and of course, drink is, as usual. Drink is blamed for it. After a New Year's Eve party, he decides to repeatedly... Struck his oh. wife, tore clumps out of her hair, pulled her eyelashes extensions off, was before the courts um, and got the very same sentence as these three characters got, 18 months suspended. But Neil does it say that there needs to be a complete overhaul of the Irish judicial system starting from the top? If a judge acknowledges that it was... what The judge said it was very hard to understand. What's there to understand? Why does he even have to understand what Rosinskas did? There's nothing to understand. No, I, 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 I obviously we see a lot on why wasn't he sent back to his own or how was he left in here? It's European. He had there's no choice but to leave him in first of all. He can you can travel anywhere within Europe whether you're convicted or not. 
So moving between European Union countries does not need any kind of... It wouldn't, it wouldn't flash up arriving with airport I, I, police I think, or anything? No? I, I, think it, I think it probably would if you were on the offender's register. But there's no way to register for mortars, I'd imagine, you know? I know what you're saying, yeah. Or, or yeah. manslaughter or people or serious, serious assault, anything at all, like. Yeah, yeah. There's no register there for it. I mean, sex offenders, yeah, I think they have to give the local police wherever they turn up notice within seven days. You know the, you know the fist pumper, the high five? Could, could oh, that, that was disgusting. But hold on a second. I don't mean to be, to upset anybody here, but, because I didn't see it, now Claire did, but... Could that have been because of COVID that you can't shake hands anymore, do you think? Maybe, it, do you think it was celebratory? Oh, it was me. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, 100%, 100% celebratory. No, again, at the end of the day, you can't play embarrassed with those sisters because all they do is do their job. They're doing their job, yeah. That's They're what you're doing employed, doing, That's what you're employed else. for. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think... Should she have, felt very hurt to see it, though, in, in the court. They should have had a cop on. Yeah, a bit of cop on. Especially the barristers. Yeah. A lot of and common not, sense not from it. you, Frank. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Neil. Paul Kimmerman man, and uh, Frank right. correctly pointing out that the DPP could, in fact, uh, appeal any sentence uh, for leniency. So thank you for that. Text 0868104106. I just want to have a look at those texts before I read any out, and I'll come back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. What is it? That's not exactly water, mm-hmm. and it ain't exactly earth. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. All right, call us 10 and 11, please. one 104 106 And we have cash to give away. Well, it's as good as cash, to be absolutely honest with you, courtesy of ourselves and Douglas Village Shopping Centre, celebrating 50 years in business. So we need the song, the movie, the event, and the year from the 1970s. Good luck, lads. Uh, get dialing. one 104 106 Before I leave you for today, just some text. I so will pick up on this on the mo- in the morning, um, bearing in mind that we just need to be very careful about about aspects of the case and what we can and can't talk about. Uh, that's why I stopped reading the text till I got a better chance to uh, pre-read them. But I'm both angry and sad listening to this story. What a dignified lady and an absolutely fantastic mum. So sad listening to Shane's mum on the air. What a disgrace. A suspended sentence is a complete and utter joke. At least she can hold her head up high, not like the other families. Well done to Claire for speaking out and standing up for her son. Although some days Claire also has a lot of sympathy and feels for the other families because she also thinks, well, nobody wants this to visit their family. Maybe not so much the lads involved, but for maybe the mums and dads of the other families as well. Uh, this country and judicial system is all wrong. No punishment for what they did to her son. Suspended sentence counts for nothing. If it was my son, I'd be in prison right now, happily doing life for those. Um, it's an absolute disgrace. Uh, tell that young, poor victim to hold his head up high. Oh my God, I'm in bits here listening to that poor mother telling the story of her poor son getting horrifically assaulted like that. I hope those boys who did this get exactly what they deserve in life. Um, if this happened to a female, they would have been locked up. There's another few like there's another few like that, incidentally. Oh my God, that poor boy. I'm bawling listening. I hope he can heal from this. And well done on him and his mother for being so brave. How they got a suspended sentence is beyond me. Uh, years they should have gotten. Hopefully the DPP will appeal the leniency of the sentence. And one or two more. Uh, listening to that lady, it's very sad what happened to her son. Justice should have been done. If that was a girl, 
it would have been rape. So because it was a male, it's different. It isn't any different. No is no, no matter who you are. Fair play to her for speaking out and her son too. Amazing strength. She should be so proud of her family and her other son as well. Cause, and, and indeed make the dad. Uh, oh my God. Well done to that lady for telling her story. If her son had been a woman, those three would have been looking at time in prison. No justice here. Kevin and Kilbenny says the DPP should appeal the leniency of this sentence. Uh, just wondering if you're aware. Yeah, I can't read that one out either, unfortunately, because that's a case that hasn't come before the courts yet. Can't believe what the courts did uh, to Shane. His mother and father were so strong. Shane is the strongest. Uh, he faced these down in court. I hope they reflect on what they did in the future. Take care, Shane. I wish you the best. And there's reams more of these. Um, maybe this one for now. That was harrowing to listen to, Neil. What a brave, commendable young man Shane is to bring those individuals to court. Fair play to his mum. They were named and therefore shamed and screamed from the rooftops. I wouldn't want my children to be friends or acquaintances of any of those. Uh, their parents um, will have to live with it in silence. Um, and also that text also references the issue of, of uh, you know, no face-to-face apologies. But the big point in that text uh, is the last line, what a disgrace our justice system is. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106 and we'll come back to it in the morning. Okay, so happy to do that. My apologies. I see a lot coming in this morning from earlier uh, that I haven't got back to, including some research that we did across uh, city and county pharmacies, the availability of uh, antigen test kits, whether they're individuals or boxes. I have to say that, unfortunately, uh, in way too many pharmacies, um, they are sold out of boxes and are only selling singles. Others have nothing at all. Don't have time to go into the breakdown, but uh, it's not great. I mean, it could be an awful lot better. Why they've run out of boxes of kits, I'm talking about five in a box. Why so many of them are out of stock, I have no idea. But it certainly needs fixing for all of those texts and lots more. Besides, we'll come back in the morning. But um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do here because uh, we have two prizes and, and nobody's explained to me how I can actually quiz two different people with the same answers. But I'll give it a go anyway. Dave. Hello. How are you? Not too bad, Neil. You're Not in Toker. And Carol Keating's in Cove. Morning, Carol. Hi, Neil. Have you already both told the lads off air the answers to this? I have. have. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do every second one. If one of you mess up here now, you're going to wreck it for the other. All right. So I'll play this. It'll be the song, the movie, the event and the year. So when you hear the different bits of it, just shout out. So Dave, you're going to start. All right. Um, okay. And every second one. All right. Hopefully this will work and it won't be a car crash. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. What is it? That's not exactly water. That's place and sightings. Exactly. Come on. Good girl. Therefore, that's um, Watergate. The Watergate scandal. And finally, Carol, the year? 1974. Well done, both of you. You worked as a team and each of you got for each other 200 euro gift cards. I kind of let you off, Dave. It was Watergate, but who was talking? Oh, Nixon. Fair play to you, kid. Fair play to you. 200 euro each, 97. And of course, both of you remember the events of 74, do you? Oh, we do well. <laughs> oh, I do. I don't know about <laughs> Same with you, Carol. I was in junior infant. <laughs> well said. Well said. Well, I, cer- I certainly wasn't. <laughs> okay, any idea what you guys are going to do with the 200 euro gift voucher? Dave? 
I don't know. I'd say my wife will have a fair idea what to do with it. It's the best way forward, man. Hand it over to your better half. Carol, what about you? (laughs) Oh, Christmas, definitely. Okay, well, listen, I hope it'll solve a couple of problems for you this side of Christmas shopping-wise. All right? Thanks, Millennial. Well done, Take care. Well done to each other is right. Carl Keating and uh, Dave in Toker and Carl and Cove working with each other, helping each other and winning a 200 euro gift card each, courtesy of ourselves in Douglas Village Shopping Centre. We'll do more of that in the morning. And also, Gronenbroch Credit Union are giving me big amounts of cash. We have 3,000 euro to give right across the week and it's broken down into 200 euro cash at a time. And then you have a chance later that we're going to a massive 3,000 euro, courtesy of ourselves and Gronenbroch Credit Union. They have a new debit card, which has just been issued and you can get one there and tip away. And I know we're giving out clues all morning long. Okay. And they gave out one this morning on breakfast. Um, uh, I've got a clue now. You need to know your north side. So if I were to say to you from here, you can see a place that gets the Yanks talking. Where is it? From here, you can see a place that gets the Yanks talking. Where is it? And that's from an area of the north side. You know your north side, you'll know the answer to that. So one eight fifty one zero four one zero six For that and all of the business, we'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.